And I gotta say, summer has arrived in my neck of the woods, gang. I don't want to suggest I've been feeling a lot of heat lately, but if they made a movie on my current situation, it likely would have come out in 1995 starring Al Pacino and Robert De Niro. I'm telling you, there's a lot of heat out here! Was Val Kilmer in that? Yes, he was. I've never seen Heat. Good movie. I've never seen it. It's, it's, it. It's a little long, but uh, it, it's worth a watch. And, uh, well, uh, regardless of what you actually think of the joke, initially I thought, what a great segue, because I thought that he actually came out in 1996, much like the film we're discussing today, but it was actually a year early. But, you know, the joke's a little too good, you know? But yep. um, he, he's already said, um, coming in, uh, joining me as always, uh, co-host who takes pride in his... Uh, Great ass! That's a heat reference, Adam. I'm sorry. That's the last one I'll make, I promise. But anyway, Adam Kurtz, how are you? I do a lot of squats. I have done in the past. This last year hasn't been kind to me, so I'm happy with my derriere. Yeah. yeah I'll... Yes, you are. You you are always you always call it your pooper, but you're always uh, you're you're talking about your choice pooper, which uh, oh, that's too much. This episode's going to be too long already. So anyway. Um, yeah, uh, we did something that, uh, well, seemed like a good idea on paper, but uh, uh, I think we ended it last week. Uh, we're going to talk about Beavis and Butthead Do America, um, and uh, yeah, we both quickly learned that uh, preparing a script for five to eight minute sketches is a little bit different than preparing a, ske- a script for an 80 minute film, so um, uh, I don't really know what the format is in addition to all this uh, as we record this. I've been home for about 15 minutes after three days out of town, so this could be a bumpy one. But, you know, worst case scenario, it's our season finale, so we do a bad episode, and then people have three months to forget about us. So I, f- I think I finally hit the point where uh, my wife said, you're putting too much work into it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I think that's well, the amount, uh, that's the comparison. You can kind of sneak it in. You know, an hour here, an hour there, and then you got like, oh my god, what am I doing here? And the old bow and chain starts cracking oh, the whip. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Darn responsibilities. But um, but yeah, so we're just we're just gonna talk and see what works here, and if it doesn't, well, then then we we won't ever discuss another movie again. But um, a little background. Um, I think I believe I told this story on an initial episode of the podcast that we didn't release so if it's I, I don't think anybody's heard it but um i don't know your opinions or your history with the movie adam but uh this one kind of has a little bit of a special place in my heart because i think i've mentioned on the show regardless uh that i you know i wasn't allowed to watch beavis and butthead when i was a kid 
Um, and by the time I was like old enough to where he could, you know, it was kind of hard to find. Um, and I always meant to check it out, mostly because I loved Mike Judge and I loved King of the Hill. But uh, I remember just being home, like being at my parents' house, oddly enough, the place where I was, you know, forbidden from watching it as a kid. In like 2009 or 2010, just like I had like 30 minutes to kill before I was, I had something to do. And I just flipped on VH1 and uh, they were showing Beavis and Butthead do America. And I saw about a half hour of it and it was, uh, I'd say, the best half hour. And we'll get more into the details later, but I just remember being, I mean, I don't know if surprise is the right word, but really happy to see how funny it was. And I remember that's kind of what got me to finally say, okay, I'm going to sit down and watch Beavis and Butthead. Uh, and uh, the rest is history. But um, I don't know if you saw it earlier than I did, or just your history with the film, or just... VH1 um... was that single spark to, to spark your uh, spectral Beavis and Butthead fire. Yeah, um, absolutely. You know, I, I owe a lot of uh, my life to VH1 where I'm at today, but uh, the movie, no. <laughs> um, you know, honestly, I, maybe this is sacrilege here, Clay, but I feel like I've, I've seen this movie a bunch of times in bits and pieces. I don't think I've really mm -hmm. sat down and watched it start to finish in a long time, if ever, and I... Uh, I apologize if that disqualifies me from being, uh, I know you're the true fan police. So, um, but I've start. it was always on. It was all, there's a, there's a time period where movies are like, you know, they're always on. Uh, Batman Begins, I think, or in the Dark Knight, have gone through that, gone through that, and the Avengers are on now, like TNT all the time. Um, I think that there was a period where this happened, and then it's, uh, I, the format I watched it on now, um, but, you know, our, my backstory is very similar. You know, you, we were 11 and you were 12 in 1996. So it's uh, our, our parents were at least semi-responsible and, you know, didn't want us watching it. So uh, say whatever you will there. But uh, watching it on uh, Amazon Prime uh, was a cool experience, too, uh, because they had little trivia bits and things like that. So uh, I was. It was a pleasure to consume it now in its entirety. And uh, much like you, I think I just uh, I saw a little bit of it here, saw a little bit of it there, and then uh, you know you're able to piece it together because you've you've sat there and caught the last hour five times and the first hour five times, and it's uh, uh, so that's yeah, that's my experience with it, and it's nice to piece it all together here and discuss it. And uh, and just to to go back and make this episode as long as possible, I'm hoping we clock out at like four or five hours on this. Um, yeah, that's Joe. Yes, Rogan's I want to um, let you know that this podcast comes first, not my family. I'm on record. Okay, so just okay. Well, I'd I'd actually stopped listening to you when you said that um, that you hadn't seen the movie all the way through because, like, oh, okay, yeah, his his, his opinion has no no merit, but. If you are willing to just, you know, chuck your family aside, then, yeah, I, I, I love your commitment. <laughs> took my man card. You took my B&B &B card straight out of my wallet there. Oh. Yeah, well, oh, well, nice little voice crack. <laughs> or I think, I think we've both had one hey, already, so uh, just... Uh, maybe we're, we're you know taking what, a DeLorean back to 96 <laughs> through 2000. Yeah, maybe. 
But, um, well, that's, uh, well, yeah, I, I didn't watch it on Prime, so, I, I mean, it'd be interesting to, I have some trivia stuff that I either just, you know, kind of picked up previously or kind of learned just looking back, but, uh, yeah, we'll sprinkle that in, and, uh, yeah, we'll just, well, you know, let's just start and see where this one takes us. Adam, Beavis and Butthead, Do America, premiered in 2,190 movie theaters on December 20th, 1996. It was written by Mike Judge, Joe Stillman, and Brian Mulroney. Directed by Mike Judge with additional work from Mike DeCivi, Brian Mulroney, and Yvette Kaplan. Uh, side note, uh, something I remember from Taina Greatness, uh, Mike Judge originally had been contracted to do eight seasons of the show, and he was kind of burned out, so he negotiated to where if he did this movie, he could pull the plug after season seven. But um, that's uh, yeah, a little uh, background information. Anyway, synopsis. Our intrepid adolescent heroes wake up to find their beloved television stolen and embark on an epic journey across America to recover it. And who knows? Maybe even score. Adam, you're going first. Lay some wisdom down on Beavis and Butthead. I'll start off with trivia here. Uh, it opened... Uh, with a $20 million weekend and set a December opening record, which was smashed by Scream 2, your favorite Scream of the series, a year later. But uh, So Beavis and Butthead do America. It starts out uh, Godzilla-esque, where Butthead is dreaming and destroying a city. Uh, of course, he comes across a hot chick that he grabs out of a uh, building, and uh, but they, of course, fight over her, which is a recurring theme. And uh, But it turns out, yes, Butthead is dreaming, and Beavis awakes him, uh, awake, wakes him up to uh, inform him the TV is gone, um, stolen. And uh, <laughs> Butthead almost figures out that it was stolen and not that it just went away by staring at a window and a crowbar and feet footprints and <laughs> leading straight to the TV to the door. Um, and uh, then it, as he goes on to... The, the criminals are literally right outside the window, which makes that great. <laughs> yeah. But uh, they almost figure it out, but it leads right into the intro, which is a highlight of the movie for me. I really like the 70s Starsky and Hutch shaft charlie's angels uh kind of james bond-esque intro into the movie where you get the isaac hayes song going and uh i really like alternate like universe drawings of beavis and butthead and you get a, a just jam-packed you get beavis with a fro um butthead with kind of long wavy hair um it's great i really enjoyed the intro um to the, to the film, uh, yeah, I like, kind of to backtrack. I what I really enjoy because yeah, like there's they have basically an unobstructed view into the guys who stole their television, and I really like that they didn't even bother trying to make this a mystery because Beavis and Butthead couldn't figure out a mystery. That's uh, I like that aspect. And uh, another thing, um, I kind of I know they're kind of pulling from similar sources, uh, but. I kind of got a little, like with the intro, one thing it reminded me of was um, 
from one of my all-time favorite movies, uh, Boogie Nights, when uh, Dirk Diggler started making his Brock Landers films, where he was he he was uh, like a private eye who uh, you know intimidated witnesses, and then you know you know as as they would in uh, in pornographic films, had sexual intercourse with them. Which Boogie Nights actually came out one year after Beavis and Butthead Do America, so. Um, are, are we going to call Paul Thomas Anderson out right now for being a fraud and stealing from I Mike think Judge? you just did. Uh, okay, well, you know, like 24 hours ago, I thought that movie was a flawless masterpiece, and now, <laughs> garbage. Uh, you know, when they went out to go look for the TV, uh, they opened up the trash can. Were you surprised there was a The Buff magazine uh, with some, <laughs> looked like provocative images? I was surprised they didn't pick that up. Um, you really knew they were angry and missing the TV if they just kind of tossed that to the side. So they do mean business. Yeah. Um, but their, uh, their first uh, foray into venturing outside of their immediate domicile there is they, of course, go to, to the school where they try to steal um, the TV on the cart. And uh, I think <laughs> this does date the film a bit just because I don't believe that exists anymore. I don't believe the TV strapped to the cart with a VCR or DVD player really exists in schools. That would surprise me if um, it did. I mean, if we have any younger listeners, maybe let us know. But yeah, that's probably... Or teachers. Yeah, yeah that's probably a relic of the past. Yeah, or teachers. Um, yes. They're uh, given a slight hurdle by Van Driesen saying, hey, take that back to the AV room immediately which they just ignore. Um, and you think, oh, no, is the movie going to end 15 minutes in? It does not because the TV falls down the steps. and uh, But that leads them uh, back, uh, back home, I guess. And uh, they uh, run into uh, Tom Anderson, which, Clay, if there's one thing this movie does well, it really is just kind of a... It, it, it's a greatest hits of Beavis and Butthead. Um, you know, you get Van Driesen in there. There, There's some people that like Buzzcut's not in it, Stewart's not in it. Uh, but uh, you get Tom Anderson kind of right off the bat and throughout the movie. Uh, a line that I really love from him, uh, again, is every Midwestern, probably everyone, anytime you tighten something down, and you're over the age of 25, it's like, yeah, that baby ain't going anywhere. But in this case, it's uh, that auto holder. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, he uh, he uh, is tightening down a butane uh, heating source, which yes. I, according to Amazon, this is one of their things, it was specifically to distinguish him from Hank Hill. That was propane. And then they uh, want, they switched it out with butane, which, I mean the is the bastard get, which is a bastard gas, by the way. That's a <laughs> that's a long running King of the Hill line. Um, but of course they go in. Um, is it Marcy? Marcy's Tom's wife's name, right? Marcy, yeah. She thinks yeah, yeah. they're there to fix the fridge, and they're there to watch the TV. But she thinks they're there. Oh, I didn't know the TV was broke. Of course they destroy yeah. that. They should destroy that one as well. Yeah, and um, that leads to, um, I think, 
a line that a lot of people know, uh, and it's another great Anderson. Uh, he just kind of notices, uh, you know, as always, they get, or as occasionally, you know, you get that POV shot that's blurry, and he says, <laughs> you took like familiar, and then with the, the great line, uh, ain't you them kids that have been whacking off in my tool shed, which um, gets the chuckle, and then you also get, you know, sort of the, the, the nice shot of Beavis biting his lip, because... <laughs> <laughs> and and um, that's one thing I want to say uh, too. I really like that they didn't go like the movie's rated PG thirteen. You know, despite its reputation, Beavis and Butthead. I guess well, certainly by you know current standards, it's not that vulgar a show. But I'd say like you know by nineties cable standards, yeah, kinda. But they had an opportunity, I think, to really kind of go over the top. But we don't get that. I think the most extreme we get is both, you know, the mentioning of whacking off, which, I mean, is alluded to in the show all the time. I just don't think they ever said whacking off. And also uh, one where he goes later when they're at the Hoover Dam and Beavis asks, is this a goddamn? <laughs> like, really, other than that, I think pretty much everything that happens in this movie could have been on the TV show. Yeah, Um Interesting you say that because they, they they get to the motel next where they uh, see they run into a sign that says TV and uh, they're they're looking indoors and McVicker the principal McVicker is in there getting dominated by a uh, lady of the night yeah I, I so um, supposedly that was supposed to be uh, McVicker nude from the waist down um, but they. <laughs> Bummer. Put uh, boxer shorts on him to again avoid the R rating, which I feel like, you know, this the movie's not as violent as the show is, um, and I think no. that it's um, it's weird like how people wanted to avoid the R rating, and I uh, I think it's almost the opposite anymore. I think movies have proven that they're able to make money with the R rating. Uh, I can anecdotally cite the movie uh, Logan, uh, the Wolverine movie, which superhero movies are notoriously family-friendly, uh, roller coaster fun. But uh, Logan, I don't know if you've ever seen it, Clay, is incredibly violent. And uh, not to get too far off track here, but it made money as a rated R movie, and therefore you got grittier superheroes and grit. So, like, in a t it's in that weird era of where they wanted to avoid that R rating, just like with Mick Vicker's ass possibly showing things like that. But as you mentioned, yeah. it's really not that vulgar. It's it's immature, sophomoric, but yeah. like it's it's not vulgar, and and if anything, more violent. And the, the movie really wasn't. Um, but the hotel where they see McVicker that leads them to Muddy, um, who is, uh, trying to get revenge on his wife. And once you know it, he's looking for two fellows, um, that are, uh, sent his way. And, uh, once you know it, two fellows that are, he's actually waiting for the guys who stole Beavis and Butthead's TV, but Beavis and Butthead in Three Stooges fashion in the right place at the right time. Uh, they unwittingly got payback on those guys. <laughs> true, yes. Because they, 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 they took a job right from them. So. And they, uh, Muddy offers them $10,000 to, you got to love the phrasing, to do his wife. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, meaning kill her to him, but of course 
to Beavis and Butthead. And Beavis has to be convinced here. He's so focused on TV that Butthead has to pull him aside and uh, say, hey, we'll have enough money to get a TV, <laughs> and we get paid to score. Um, Muddy, though, voiced by Bruce Willis. So not credited in the theatrical, theatrical release, but in the when it was released to home video, um, he, him and Demi Moore, is a.k.a. Dallas, uh, were credited. Um, then time husband and wife, okay. Bruce Willis and Demi Moore. Not the Ashton Kutcher era of uh, Demi Moore's life. Uh, no. The better era, if I yes. would say so. I know. Little known fact about Adam. The butterfly effect, his favorite movie. <laughs> it could have been worse. Anyway, I didn't think we'd have a butterfly effect reference, but uh, we do. So uh, Beavis and Butthead, of course, uh, accept the the ten grand and all expenses paid, and uh, Muddy uh, takes them to the airport in drunken fashion, um, and uh, so they get on the plane and uh, interject too. If I'm o- overstepping some things, you uh, want to get into, but I'm trying to move with some brevity, Clay. Uh, Butthead falls in love's on, love on the plane with a uh, stewardess. Um, a flight uh, attendant. Is that a sexist term? I'm sorry if it is. Uh, stewardess? I guess it is. Uh, yes. Uh, I, I, I think okay. it is. Fair yeah, enough. Uh, Apologies to flight attendants <sighs> everywhere. Well, welcome to our last episode ever. Or at least yours. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm trying to dig myself out of the hole. Um Cornholio makes an appearance, uh, the elderly woman voiced by Cloris Leachman, who is uh, seen a, a main character. She's a, she's a great supporting character here in the movie. Gives him some caffeine pills and some mints and anything in an old lady's purse. Um, I really enjoy the uh, play on slots and sluts and Beavis's conversation with her. <laughs> um, it's fantastic. We're, I'm pretty sure the uh, Cloris Leachman is just saying sluts towards the end of that conversation, but it, it's great. Yeah. Well, let's uh, like kind of before we get further, Adam. We've already mentioned a few. Um, just your thought. What are your thoughts on uh, the guest the guest roles uh, in general? In I, I like it because um, I, I think the ones that not crediting them means like almost that the actors kind of did it for fun or wanted to be a part of the project, you know? So I think there's a certain aspect of like fandom or passion for Beavis and Butthead for the people that participated. Maybe I'm incorrect in that thinking, but uh, I I feel like that uh, not being credited immediately and not wanting to know your names out there or uh, it's not due to embarrassment. It's it's probably just, uh, hey, I'll do this for you and let's uh, let's just make the movie be the movie you know and i think that goes into like one thing um i'll say like we'll go i think like Demi Moore is fine like she's kind of con- she's fairly convincing as like you know the sultry sex pot mm-hmm. um i do like cloris leachman um i like she I, I i just i like her in general this one it's a little hard for me to separate her from uh because i know she was the i mean she didn't voice the character throughout the run but the first appearance of mrs glick on the simpsons she actually did the voice and it sounds exactly the same as this uh i believe her character is old woman on plane and bus <laughs> sure um there's a couple there's one one guy who's got a great voice who i don't think had a great character and then there's another one 
who I think we'll definitely mention later. I know we'll definitely have something to say on. Um, Bruce Willis, I think, is the biggest surprise for me here um, because I think just in recent years he's gotten kind of a reputation for just not giving a shit. And I mainly I remember he was in a Eli Roth directed Death Wish movie a couple years ago, and I remember seeing the ad. And there's like a scene where he's like swinging a chain at a guy. And that's not a, an action where you should look bored doing it, but uh, you just look just like, eh, all right. Like, I mean, like it was as little exertion. Like, you could just tell uh, how how bored he looked. I thought he was really good here. Like, I think he was really convincing as you know one of these crumb bums that exists on like the the outskirts of the the Beavis and Butthead universe, and um, just a lot of nice like like. Vocal tick, just like, oh, yeah, <laughs> kind of stuff. I, I, there's one late I, I really love. It's used, oh, I'm going to kill him. Like, it's, it, it's like a, it's a real performance. I, I, I like Bruce Willis. Yeah, and Muddy is kind of, he's still, he's in the ballpark of intelligence with Beavis and Butthead. I don't know how he got the device here. But, yes, when they're in the car and, uh, like, just talking about her rack or something like that. And they're just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, so Beavis and uh, Butthead in the plane, Muddy figures out because the, the actual hired guns come and meet him and he's pissed. So he's going to go out to Vegas and uh, uh, find uh, Beavis and Butthead. Uh, when uh, Beavis and Butthead arrive at the casino, though, they live it up to the Red Hot Chili Peppers roller coaster of love, which I enjoy how the band looks. The animation's a little wonky <laughs> there, too, um, but it, it's, it's great. Um, they're staring at a giant, uh, which all the casinos are pretty real for the time uh, in Vegas there. They didn't use really any fake casinos uh, which they did in King of the Hill when uh, the uh, hills went to Vegas. Uh, they were faux casinos, but uh, that pretty real representation of Vegas in this one. They uh, eventually run into Dallas, and uh, <laughs> just the terminology of do is so great, but she figures out they're obviously attracted to him. Um, <laughs> but before they figure, uh, before she kind of tries to seduce him, I liked a line there where she's like, I'll give you $20,000 to do him. And, like, Butthead does not want to do a guy, but Beavis is like, oh, that's a lot of money. You know, like, he has a serious moment of contemplation. All, who, who, who all of a sudden, yeah, he wasn't even that interested in doing uh, the lady <laughs> when the TV was at stake. And now, I don't know if it's just as he's had time to calm down, or is, uh, is there implications that Beavis is at least curious? Yeah. Um, so, uh, but she figures out that they're both uh, attracted to her and is going to use that to her advantage. Uh, Beavis takes off his pants, and of course, again, they fight over the chick. And uh, that gives her, the bus leaves in five minutes, so she's going to send them on a bus to get them out of town and go to Washington, D.C. The bus leaves in five minutes as the feds start to rush into this building. Um, and I think the star of the movie, Clay, is Robert Stack. Robert Stack steals the show for me. Um, okay. I, he is a... He's kind of typecast in a few uh, uh, characters, and uh, you've seen him in movies before. You've seen him in Airplane. Um, 
Unsolved Mysteries, the original version, is Robert Stack. Um, just a great voice. Um, but uh, So he's, he's uh, surrounding the building with federal agents. Five minutes to get to this bus, and she uh, rips open Beavis's pants and then sews it back up. I call shenanigans. She's either a master sewer, um, but they get, they get down to the bus, they elude the feds. Um, but I really like uh, Robert Stack as Agent Fleming, and uh, Agent Bork is Greg Kinnear, Logan Sport, Indiana's own Greg Kinnear. Yeah. Um, so I really enjoy their dynamic, and Robert Stack is just obsessed. Excuse me, Agent Fleming is obsessed with cavity searches, and it is just, uh, it's fantastic. That's, um... Yeah, I, I I guess I don't like the character as much as you did, and I I, I did. You, you said obsessed with cavity searches. There are I counted seven <laughs> cavity search jokes, and like the weird, like I feel like I'm coming at this in a way just like oh, it got old. But interestingly enough, the only two that really made me laugh that hard were the last two. So maybe I just but uh, but yes, they uh, just it's one of those is. where. You knew, okay, so like they got the first joke in and then they made it, it they just kept making it. It's kind of where, you know, uh, there's that theory of like when you hug someone, uh, it's genuine and then it becomes awkward and then it becomes funny and then it, you just, you go through these waves and yeah. I think that's what this joke is, it, it did for me. Um, just Robert Stack's delivery, de- delivery, uh, mm-hmm. uh, when he sees Beavis and Butthead, uh, or when uh, when they take out the power for Las Vegas and just a what the hell? Like, I don't know. It's just that get off my lawn yeah. type of, it's just perfect. Um, I don't know where this was at. They were at the Hoover Dam, but Be- uh, Butthead says your butt sucks to uh, Beavis. <laughs> uh, one of my favorite lines, I think he was kind of itching his ass at the Hoover Dam Security Center. Yeah, he was on like the, the lever, yeah, just because the, the unit was back there. And wouldn't you know it, when the Hoover Dam, so Beavis and Butthead, uh, they're taking the bus, they stop, it's one of those bus tours of America, they stop at the Hoover Dam, and uh, they, they somehow breach the security center and uh, turns off uh, all the power to Vegas, which... Well, they yeah they see they see a bunch of screens and they think oh hey it's TV and it's just all but a bunch of shows about water. <laughs> yes, um, this is where the Amazon Prime gets really picky. Um, so they have the general trivia and then there'll be like goofs, and they said uh, like they had errors in geography and like oh it. At the airport, the, the runways really weren't pointed this way. So there's some really dumb stuff like that. But um, mm. they have the Hoover Dam, factual air. Hoover Dam only supplies 4% of Las Vegas power. Its failure would not cause a citywide power. Suck a fat one, Amazon. Get out of here. <laughs> who's, the, who's the guy that got paid to type that in? Well, well how, wait a second. How much power does the Hoover Dam supply Las Vegas? Rem- like, rem- I, like, remember when we talked back, I remember um, uh, there was a complaint uh, about a friend I tried to show, like, just, like, making specific complaints. I don't, oh, I'm not remembering off the top of my head, but you, I remember you asked, did that guy, like, it was just such a ridiculous nitpick. Oh, it was um, a prank call uh, when they were looking through to find a perfect name and they found Harry Sachs, and then he just said, uh, and then they just flushed the toilet. 
And I remember like him saying, "Just like it didn't even matter who they got." I, I, do you think is <laughs> yes. he the one who like went through that? He works for Amazon. Yeah, yes. Fuck that noise. Um, who doesn't get the joke? <laughs> just completely yeah. over their head. Can I say a, a, a one a line that I think we spent? And this is kind of one thing too. I I kind of like them interacting with people. Um, it's people who don't necessarily know how to interact with Beavis and Butthead. Because like yeah, both Beavis when they tell Muddy. Um, their names uh, and he's like yeah that's okay i don't want to know your real names either and that's the same thing with uh, the chloris leachman character who thinks they say travis and bob but it eventually becomes travis and bob head <laughs> and then i love two uh two different jokes um is when they see the guy with the the limo sign with their names on it they don't know that it's for them so butthead gets the idea to moon him <laughs> And then lastly, uh, the, the guy who takes him up uh, to the hotel when he's standing in the doorway with his hand out. And yeah, Beavis and Butthead wouldn't know you're supposed to tip that guy. And then Butthead just like, uh, could you like not stand there and stuff? Uh, yeah, I, I, I like that sort the, of Going know. back to the limo driver too, um, what's your name? Uh, what's your first name? Butt? <laughs> Last name? Head? <laughs> I don't know if you remember that line. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, I don't remember word for um, word. But yeah, it's... I'm a big fan of the the tour bus folk, or the dream bus folk. The lady in the Las Vegas pink shirt, the way she's drawn is beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Like that person exists. <laughs> you know? Oh, by the it's, hundreds, that person yes, it's exists. just fantastic. Um, so they say, uh, uh, one more Robert Stack when he says, Jesus, junked up Christ. <laughs> it's, it's lines like that, man. I uh, I know he plays those. I loved him in Airplane, too. So maybe my uh, admiration for him or adoration for him in Airplane uh, rolls over here to, to do America. Um, it's, yeah, I mean, it's a good performance. I just think kind of, yeah. I don't know. I didn't like. I mean, I didn't think the character was strong as certain other ones. But um, this is like I kind of like jump ahead. Like this, it was like kind of we're getting into the era or the area of the movie that I watched on VH1, which I think was really fortuitous because we get about thirty-five minutes in, then there's like a solid fifteen minutes where I think I don't know Europe. It's just like home run after home run gag for me. I think it starts. Um, when they're talking about the dangers, because basically what the unit, it's like a biohazard weapon that if it gets out, like it just, it just kind of like, vaporizes sort of the a, city or ooh, kills like, the whole, like a worldwide pandemic oh. Beavis oh, and Butthead 24 shit. years ahead of its time. Wow. Perhaps didn't even think about that, but, um, yeah, it's, uh, well, you said earlier that the film was kind of dated, but no, oh, that's, I think it's almost, up to the literal milliseconds. Wow. And then Mike Judge was on Joe Rogan, and Joe Rogan has inside info about not wearing... Oh, my God. We've blown it open, That's, my well, friend. What a, rich, what a rich tapestry we have here. But um, I, I love... I think it kind of starts because, yeah, they're talking about the danger, and I love that Robert Stack's like, ooh, we just better hope nothing dangerous hits that unit, and it's a great <laughs> cut. Beavis and Butthead are fighting over a window seat, and Butthead just kicks him squarely in the butt. Um, just right onto it, and um, it leads into like that. Kind of leads into uh, th this was the one. Like, if there's one joke I really remembered loving, 
it was this one where um, uh, the, the tour group takes a trip to the Grand Canyon and they just, they're all like overlooking and just like, oh my goodness, oh, like the wonder of everything. Just a great pan over to Beavis and Butthead. They're by a sign for donkey tours. There's a donkey standing there taking a dump. <laughs> and they are about a foot and a half from his asshole just watching it come out. And kind of getting as philosophical as Beavis and Butthead can get with, uh, it's like, it's coming out of the ass, but it's also coming out of the ass of the ass. <laughs> just yeah. so stupid. And um, that cuts into another one and uh, with uh, the road signs. Yeah, all the road signs is The great fantastic. road sign gags. I, I wrote them down here. Uh, we have uh, Bald Knob, Beanie Wah, Butte, spelled B-U-T-T-E. <laughs> Peck, uh, it's we uh, weipe is how it is, but it's spelled W I P P. Even here, I think here Beavis say wipe, uh, bags, big piney, <laughs> and uh, matitsi. And you know what? I'm gonna say it like uh, roll around. I was actually surprised. I, I looked this up uh, to kind of counteract you know that uh, Amazon thing. I actually thought there was some decent geographic consistency here because uh, Butte is in Montana. Uh, Peck, uh, Weipe, and uh, Beanie Wall are all in Idaho. Though let's just say uh, Beanie Wall is a county, not a city. But um, and Bags, Big Piney, and uh, Matitsi are all in Wyoming. So kind of all in that group. Uh, the only oddity is a uh, Bald Knob, which is uh, in in Arkansas. <laughs> oh man, those I do I lost it too. All of those names, uh, I, I really enjoyed it. And. And I want to say that actually goes into what I, on this viewing, I think is my favorite joke of when they go to Old Faithful. And this is just another one of Beavis and Butthead just interacting with real people. We got a couple clips here, and I'm going to play my first one. Uh, this is Beavis and Butthead with the tour guide at Old Faithful. Uh, maybe one of, my, one of my very favorite moments of the film. There are over 200 active geysers in Yellowstone Park. Old Faithful here is one of the largest. During an eruption, the water can reach as high as 200 feet. So? <laughs> uh, the, the geyser shoots out over 12,000 gallons of water in a single eruption. That's not that much, really. Yeah, really. Let's get out of here. Just, <laughs> I just love the fact, like, why? Um, the fact that when he gives him that number, Butthead just says, so. I mean, that's fun. That, that's kind of on point. But, like, when he gives, like, the gallon total, and Beavis goes, like, that's not that much, really. What the hell is he talking about? And what is he basing that on? Oh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't... I'm trying to think. Are they, they are intentionally jerks, but not in a, like verbal way like, like in a just to yeah. cut some stranger down type maybe they are that that, that is just a harsh the ranger uh yeah and it's just uh but uh and then yeah we get a nice one like every once everybody starts watching uh old faithful um beavis and butthead are then in the bathroom and become completely transfixed with automatic toilets that, that had to be on the forefront of automatic toilets back in 96 so i can understand a little bit of that amazement yeah um but uh that is uh and that kind of leads to uh the first, yeah, at this point, uh, we should say, yeah, the, the agents have put out, like, uh, wanted posters with their faces all over. 
and the ranger is uh, upset uh, that, you know, I, he comes in pissed off, like, damn, kids, no respect. And then he sees it, and then um, he's like, oh, yeah, they're with that tour group. So it, it has him to go, he has the feds there to track down the bus. But uh, Beavis and Butthead were so mesmerized by the flushing toilets that they miss it, and they actually got on a bus with a group of nuns. And that's uh, that's another favorite thing. Like, you could, I think it could be kind of really contrived to have Beavis and Butthead sort of stumbling into ways to quote unquote outsmart uh, the the agents, and I really love the way that they did it because it's just I mean just by sheer <laughs> stupidity. Because yeah, of course Beavis and Butthead get left behind to look at uh, flushing toilets, and then they get they get on the bus. Don't somehow don't realize it's night the run. They just they they see a group of nuns and say, "Yeah, we're on a bus full of chicks." <laughs> And that, yeah, they, uh, it is really well done. Um, and then that, that bus, uh, it goes to a church, which, of course, they think they're going into the can, I believe, right? And they're actually confessionals. Um, yeah. Which, uh, <laughs> let me see my notes here. Uh, I just wrote down confessional. So, but uh, eventually they get to a petrified wood station with the uh the nuns which of course um you knew they were going to be entranced by wood also like you know you knew the cavity search joke was coming over and over again uh with them calling it the unit you're just waiting for 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 that joke as well um but the uh the nuns actually had enough of beavis and butthead's crap too they uh they actually ditched them at the petrified wood uh, display. Yeah, yeah. There's some good stuff too. Um, I, I do enjoy it, like the the montage shot of them, like having dinner, uh, like yeah, everybody's praying, and then Beavis and Butthead are in the off corner doing the uh, the hand vagina trick or whatever. Which I actually spoke with someone recently who didn't know what that was. But uh, if you're not, yeah, it's, uh, somebody holds their hands vertically and then it's horizontally, and you open it up and it kind of looks like a vagina. Now, to be fair, the person I was talking to was a woman, so she probably had more access to a vagina than we did at, at that age. But um, the petrified wood thing, um, yeah, let's play the clip. I got the clip, Roll Adam. it. I said we had multiple clips. Let's, let's roll it. Welcome to the Petrified Forest, the world's largest site of petrified wood. <laughs> wood. You may wonder, how can wood get so hard? (laughs) Well, the wood became hard over two million years ago. (laughs) That's, I, I remember all the way back to our first episode, I remember, uh, just talking about, oh, what's this perfect world of innuendo, like with the, you're pulling your head on every stroke. Let me see your bag. And that's just, I mean, if you record that with a, just how did wood get so hard? <laughs> it's just, uh, it's great stuff. And, um, well, that takes us to about the halfway point, Adam. Do we feel like we need the, the audience needs a little I breather. need a breather. Okay, yes. Uh, looking at the timer, we're already about longer than a lot of our episodes. So, uh, yeah, I, I hope you're entertained because this is a long-ass one. But anyway... Uh, Let's take a break, but we will be right back with further discussion of Beavis and Butler in New America. She flies so gracefully over rocks, trees, and sand. 
Soaring over cliffs and gently floating down to land She proudly lifts her voice to sound the mating call And soon her mate responds by singing Come with me, lesbian seagull Settle down and rest with me Fly with me, lesbian seagull To my little nest by the sea Boy, I tell you what, Dusty, I felt like a one-legged cat trying to bury turds on a frozen pond out there today. We are back for part two. I had a bit written, uh, also about the heat. It was referencing the Coolio song, Too Hot. But I'm not going to do it because we're already behind schedule here, Adam. Fuck it, do it. uh, well, that's uh, well, I'll I'll save it for next season. For whatever people have stuck with us through this ultra-long monstrosity. I'm sure they'll be eager to go. But anyway, um, all right, we are back. Uh, we're about at the halfway point of Beavis and Bud Do America. Adam, I'll kick it back over to you. All right. I don't know if we should pick up the pace or not. You know, I don't know if this is good or terrible. I don't know if that should, we should <laughs> even include that. Yeah, whatever. A... If you've made it this far, I mean, I guess you're in, you're, you're with us. All right, so um, what is they're they're at the petrified forest. They they get on the the uh, the nuns ditch them. The security guard calls the federal agents, and he gets a cavity search because he didn't stop them. Uh, I lost it there. And <laughs> cavity search deep and hard. <laughs> um, uh, Robert, the 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 the. the, the vo- even I mean I don't love the characters as much as you do, but yeah, Robert Stack is just I mean, what what a voice! I mean, God, who, who wouldn't kill to have that? Voice? <laughs> I know it is, it is great. Um, he uh, so the the boys are uh, asked where Washington D.C. was, and a guy gets out of his car. That's about two thousand miles that way, you know, just some some mm-hmm. doof dad who thinks he's being funny, but they take him literally. And that leads them sure. into the desert, um, where they run into two guys that oddly look like them. Yeah, um, well, we should point out, too, um, intercut with this is, now this is something we already referenced uh, in our Van Driesen, which is actually our season one finale, but this is where we actually do get the Van Driesen performance of Lesbian Seagull, which is, a, again, a real song, which might... <laughs> Still my favorite discovery I've made since we started doing <laughs> yes. that show, since that was a real show. But yeah, he gets, uh, yeah, the federal agents come in at, at uh, McVicker's request because he, he seems to hold Van Driesen responsible. And dude, what I love about that scene is that, um, well, first, yeah, Van Driesen's talking about like his, his rights and then somebody, you know, takes a, the butt of a rifle and sticks it in his gut. <laughs> I love too, one of the agents picks up his guitar not only smashes it twice, but then turns it around and just rips the, the strings right <laughs> off. It was so unnecessary, and it just one of those just like jarring little 
things of like violence that always gets to me and it's uh yeah and we get to that part i didn't um it's not really a big complaint but um the the other agent the greg kinnear one comes in and as well i do like that they incorporated the the semen samples from vickers camper (laughs) But he point he found two genetic matches, and they show the guy they didn't really need that. I didn't think because as we'll see, I mean, you'll talk about the scene here in a little bit, but we get a pretty clear idea that this is supposed to be adult versions of yeah. Beavis and Butthead. Um, I do like when Van Driesen's uh, circle singing lesbian seagull. The the positive acting teens are there, and they yes. they're wearing their PAT shirts, so. Uh, if you're uh, listeners of the show, you know how we feel about the uh, Patsies, and uh, they got their uh, their little uh, cameo appearance. Um, I loved how Van Driesen just gets his ass kicked. Um, yeah. Even when they bust in, he's at the door and just... Ah! Yeah. <laughs> oh! <laughs> yeah. um, so Beavis and Butthead are in the desert, um, and... Uh, the uh, their fathers are uh, roadies, former roadies for Motley Crue, and um, <laughs> that, that leads them. They're eating a can of beans, you know, uh, right out of the can. And uh, one of our all-time favorite comedians, Clay, and the legend himself, uh, voiced Butthead's dad, um, and it was uh, David Letterman. Mm-hmm. who was um, yeah. not credited as David Letterman, but uh, credited as, at his, uh, as, his, as his uncle. Um, I had the name here. Uh, Earl Hopper yes. was yes. the name, yeah. Yeah, that's, I, I think that, that, that's a great one. Too. Well, of course, I love that you skipped um, uh, the introduction. I love, like, he says, and then you bastards got a match, and then I love buttheads. So, yeah. My butt and your uh, <laughs> butt. butt. <laughs> and then, yeah, they they all laugh, uh, and that's uh, kind of like the lead in, and just and that's too. It's great because I think I mean I, I again I don't remember how everything was, but I, I do feel like that there was like when this show came out, there was you know just like the all you know all the backlash and all this you know peddling this notion that it's like oh it's just a celebration of stupidity. Letterman loved this show and he like he was a champion for it for a long time and for the fact that he like you know that yeah that he I mean he he had Mike Judge on the show all the time and that's a I believe this and the film Cabin Boy (laughs) if I remember correctly are David Letterman's only film credits and um but yeah it's uh you can get back into the scene more no uh, no. yeah I just thought it's a uh, who was in cabinet? Was it Chris Elliott? Uh, wasn't that his, his yeah. guy though? Who, like he was a Letterman, Letterman staple. Loved Chris Elliott. Yeah, yeah. But um, and I, I do want to like before we move on, um, a scene with the campfire. Um, it does involve you know you know they're eating beans and it, it leads to a, a sequence where the Letterman character uh, cuts one into the fire and we get basically a mushroom cloud yeah. uh, kind of effect. Now I want to throw some of that now, Adam. You now you know that I don't like throwing around the fact that I have a master's degree. I do, but I don't like to mention it, you know, because I feel like it makes, you know, if if you know that you're in the presence of a certain, you know, 
I don't want to say intellectual giant, but, um, you know, it could make certain listeners feel insecure. Frankly, could make certain co-hosts feel insecure. So I'm, I'm, I'm generally too modest to kind of bring it up. But I do hear, because, like, in real life, I like a good fart gag. I think I to go further back into school, I was named uh, funniest member of our high school class, and I think a big part of it was my patented drop a pen in front of somebody and then cut one while I'm bending over to, to, to pick it up, you know? Great gag. But um, I don't generally like farts in movies and TV shows a lot of the time because it always sounds so fake, you know? It just kind of just... Like, sort of like, yeah, okay. But to go back to my um, uh, grad school, I learned through my graduate studies, uh, I from that, I know exactly what it sounds like when somebody farts into a sound booth microphone, and I'm going to tell you, this movie got it right. Wow. You know what? You weren't the first and only farter of the week from Tri-County High School for nothing, Kai. Oh, wow. That's, I, I, I love <laughs> Yes, let's literally start. We're already like going at eight hours. Let's tell jokes <laughs> that literally we're only going to, only you and I. But I'm get, telling but you, yeah, that is say. great science. I'm glad they got that right, too. So. I would I like I I don't know if was this I don't know if this was in trivia if, if they somehow got Letterman to do it that would just be the icing on the cake. But. That wasn't in the uh, no that wasn't in the it wasn't in the continuity goofs though either so they must have got it right. Oh I would I would dispute we'd have a whole other podcast me disputing that like if if they claimed that was a goof. So. Um... That, that, I think that as, as far as surprises go, to have Letterman in the movie is fantastic. Like, it is absolutely wonderful to, to know that he voiced that. Um, we both uh, are huge Letterman fans. Um, yeah. So it was really nice. Uh, great uh, things I caught out of the desert are just the quote, the sun sucks, <laughs> which I think those are words you live Confirmed. by. Yeah, you live by that motto. Um and then uh, I love when they're about to die, and they just—he's like, "Look!" But it's like, "Look!" And it's just two <laughs> vultures humping. Um, <laughs> the heat reminded me of just a lot. Of, th- that sequence kind of reminded me of to go again. Just personal stories no one cares about. If you've ever been to Bonnaroo and it's been hot, like day three uh, is essentially that scene insert i'm sure many uh, user listener experiences as well but i know you and i experienced that near death of good god it's hot um beavis trips in a rob zombie mits misfits misfits and rat fink-esque yeah. like uh trip um he eats a cactus yeah yeah he eats which i believe was, was it supposed to be peyote i think i remember uh, I, I, I don't know yeah. Um, well, th- yeah. What was your thoughts on that sequence? Um, it was it was okay. It was fine. I I didn't get a lot out of. It. I knew it was Rob Zombie, and uh, it was it was okay. Yeah, I I mean, I thought it was, it was visually cool. I'm not a fan of Rob Zombie. Um, well, I mean, I uh, I will say I will defend Dragula. Like uh, going go to his music, I'll defend Dragula. That song's got a great. That's a, that's a catchy hook, but I mean, I'm not a fan of his... I mean, the only movies I've seen are Devil's Rejects, which I know has its defenders. I didn't like, and his Halloween remake was just terrible. Um, but I did... I mean, I thought that, that scene was kind of interesting, and I think it's cool to kind of explore, because um, 
this uh, uh, Rob Zombie uh, this, uh, is actually uh, he credits his success to Beavis and Butthead. I, this was from uh, an interview with the late Larry King I found on YouTube, uh, and he was talking about the rise of uh, his his former band White Zombie. And uh, the quote was, uh, "The key moment was Beavis and Butthead. They played one of our videos, and overnight it changed everything." We went from selling 500 records a week to 30,000 records a week. We went from playing tiny clubs to arenas in six months. It was just an explosion. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's kind of even, you know, he's not my favorite by any means. But, I mean, I think that's kind of kind of cool to see that sort of, because uh, obviously, you know, Beavis and Butthead. I know Kip Winger has a much different interpretation <laughs> sure. of having his video on Beavis and Butthead. But, I mean, I thought that was a cool story, even though, yeah, I'm not a Rob Zombie. I think overall he seems like a genuine dude who seems grateful to, yeah. for where he's at and the opportunities he's got. To to the point that I wish that I didn't think most of his work was just yeah. awful. Um, credit to him, though. he's He's got a lot of uh, media out there. Um, so a clear, here's a an Amazon Prime general trivia about this scene. Um, voices are heard in the background when the soundtrack is played backwards Beavis and Butthead are heard speaking clearly including phrases such as everybody go to college study hard study hard I knew that audio existed somewhere I remember reading that but I didn't remember I thought it was like one of the music video commentaries but uh, <laughs> there you go <laughs> fantastic um, so uh Muddy actually finds them, though, in uh, Stranded there. And uh, great line here. You guys got any last words? <laughs> oh, I got a couple of uh, butt, <laughs> butt cheeks and boobs. <laughs> um, but Muddy finds use for them to try to get back at Dallas. Um, puts them in the trunk. The guys escape, of course. We saw Anderson earlier in the film. I don't know if we mentioned it. He got to, his RV got... Um, rushed away when the dam broke um he's in a big pileup that's caused by Beavis and Butthead escaping from Muddy's trunk as he's trying to take them to yeah. Washington DC that that's maybe another one uh that they get it because they get out with the, the push it up with the jack and uh they say they're jacking off <laughs> yes too but that's a Oh, kind of to backtrack too that's another uh quote-unquote outsmarted because they set up a roadblock and Beavis and Butthead, you know, outwitted them by walking in the desert. <laughs> exactly. So it's, it's, the 200-mile uh, radius roadblock. Yeah. Um, which Anderson was pulled over and I believe given a cavity search um, because he had known the boys. Um, so uh, after the massive pileup, the boys get back on the bus somehow. I, I don't uh, remember how they got back on the uh, bus. I think the, the lady, uh, the old lady flags them down and says, oh, hey, they're, um, yeah. they finally arrive in Washington, D.C. And a uh, couple political statements, though, is uh, Beavis and Butthead are on the same <laughs> level as the senators. Uh, when the Butthead gets over, uh, they go into, uh, I guess, Capitol Hill here. And they take over the announcements, and uh, they're looking for the chick to, to score with, right? And uh, They're looking for the chick with <laughs> the, the big, big boobs. boobs, yes. And all of uh, the Senate laughs exactly like Beavis and Butthead. Um, I didn't like it. What's up? 
I didn't like I don't I didn't like that part. That's uh, I I've said before I'm not a big fan of like other people kind of doing Beavis and Butthead shtick. That I, I don't know. That felt kind of little easy. Sure. It's like oh the politicians are stupid as Beavis <laughs> and Butthead. It it kind of has a feel of uh, looks like those clowns in Congress did it again. <laughs> what a bunch of clowns. Which is oh one of my, my favorite God. Simpsons gags of all time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, just yeah. Um. That's Beavis and Butthead, uh, they, then they move on to the, uh, the uh, White House, where, uh, again, Beavis uh, consumes the caffeine pills. And uh, I think Jesse Spano had some flashbacks, some PTSD, seeing these caffeine oh, pills yeah. being consumed so hard. <laughs> uh, she's so excited. <laughs> um, yeah. she's, she's yes, so I know it. Uh Butthead gets captured. I know. I don't know. I might have things out of sequence here, but oh, Butthead uh, actually runs into Chelsea Clinton. I actually like that uh, the Clintons were in this. Uh, yeah. A, uh, another factoid, though, uh, they had two versions. There was one version where Chelsea Clinton was packing her bags. Clay, another political statement. Watch out, cutting edge. Oh. Um, but then. Oh yeah, ninety ninety six. Yes, so it's, I don't here. know if they would like had anticipation of him losing, uh, but then she's actually just folding clothes. And again, again, I'll go back to Amazon because some of these are funny. It's like goofs, continuity. Chelsea Clinton's bedroom was actually at the back of the White House. Not <laughs> fuck off! I'm not kidding you, man. I'm not. I'm not saying fuck I off know. to you. It's just like what a what a weird what a there's sanctimonious. Like, there's like weird. twenty of those. I'll kind of skim through those maybe at the end. Um, but uh, so uh, Cornholio's in full effect here. Oh, we don't get the butt headline. The the butt headline, Adam. That's my favorite part of the whole White House sequence. Well, go for it. I noticed you have braces. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so. I have braces too. <laughs> And then she throws yes. him out the window. Yeah, that's uh... um, Butthead is uh, on the receiving end of a cavity search where he says, "Did I just score?" Yeah, and that's that's what, what I really like. I mean, that the, did I just score is pretty good too. But I that's that's one of the two I mentioned that I really like because I love like because you hear like the snap of the glove and you just get the standard Butthead. He yeah. <laughs> 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 that, that that one I really liked. Um, I just overall, I mean, we'll kind of get into it. Um, I do. I mean, I like the movie quite a bit. Um, I don't think it's perfect, and I think um, I don't know. I'll, I'll get your opinion too. I feel like it kind of runs out of steam with about twenty minutes to go. And well, I mean, I'll get more detailed. I kind of feel like, and I, I've talked about this before, just like binging the show. As much as I love Beavis and Butthead, there is kind of, I think, sure. maybe a limit to how great they can be. I'd say, I think this movie is a, I think this is a great Beavis and Butthead movie for about an hour. Um, just kind of, I do, I do like the way, I mean, you know, we kind of talked last time about, you know, our mixed feelings on Cornholio. I like the way they incorporate him into the plot, which you'll talk about later. But I mean, there's that kind of retread. We get like a retread of the, we're never going to score thing, which I know a lot of people like in this movie, but I said it a few weeks back. I much prefer the uh, the first uh, incarnation of that in Teen Talk. I thought Mike Judge's vocal performance was better. 
I thought it was kind of more interesting. And I'm going to call it my own Clay Cunningham goof here um, because Beavis, because um, they said we're going to go back to Washington. Or, yeah, we're, the trip's over. We're going back. And Beavis was ahead because they, they never got to do Dallas. But then they end up at the White House. So yeah. it almost feels like the scenes were kind of yeah. out of sequence. I'm with you. I know I'm a broken record here, but it's very like I never I didn't see the Three Stooges movie. No, uh, sorry, but like the Farrelly no. Brothers one. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Or Benicio del Toro yeah, was a, a rumored to be Mo, but he didn't end up being it. Who was it? French Stewart was French Stewart Mo. Uh, I think he was Larry. I know Will Sasso was Curly. Anyway. Uh, that, what I'm getting at is like Beavis and Butthead I, I, are very Three Stooges like, and it's ideal in those shorts. You know what I mean? It's it really is just mm-hmm. that's the perfect amount of time. So it it does get long. Um, doesn't make it any less enjoyable, but it it oh maybe it does make it less enjoyable. But it it just kind of runs. I think you could put Ren and Stimpy in that category. Um, so. Uh, what I'm getting at is here, as I agree with you, Clay, and uh, Cornholio, yes, um, Cornholio actually mixes in. He, he gets around the uh, security by, uh, they think that he's uh, some sort of dignitary from another country, and yeah. uh, but he walks out of the uh, White House and he uh, sees Anderson. Wouldn't you know it, the, the trailer made it. Um, yeah. Well, there's, but, but um, to, to get before that, because this is my favorite part, like, you know, I'm kind of mixed on Cornholio. He somehow gets access to the uh, the red phone. Oh, yes, yes. If you will. And, um, and he's just kind of doing the Cornholio shtick. And um, I do, I mean, there's, I'm kind of mixed on that. But the, the, him, like one of the military leaders plicking up the flo- phone and just hearing Beavis just go, blah, 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 blah. Like, I, I, I really like that a lot. That, 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 that was one of my favorite that's my favorite Cornholio bit of the movie, for sure. But, um, but yes, he gets out to the camper. and uh, The most furious masturbator alive. Can we agree <laughs> yes. with that sequence? Holy Lord. Now, um, back to the Amazon goofs. <laughs> this one, this, there's one for almost each one of Anderson's sequences that I've passed over so far. So you get rewarded here if you've hung with us. Uh, but goofs continuity tom anderson is involved in large the large multi-vehicle collision caused by beavis and butthead falling out of the trunk of dusty's car get it right amazon oh wow near washington yeah you're not in the position yes, to make speaking that mistake. of goofs Good Lord. um and yeah. does significant damage to the front end of his suv in later scenes at the white house however supposedly later the same day his vehicle is undamaged how could it be <laughs> well my judge you got some explaining to do man and uh there are also positional inaccuracies within numerous washington dc landmarks anyway um cornholio comes out the um all of the agents have surrounded him uh robert stacks having none of it um gives him to the count of three um but uh then uh, anderson comes out with the pair of shorts um, and, uh, so he's got the shorts and then, uh, they, they focus on Anderson and a guy tackles him. The device comes out, uh, everybody's hanging on the, the floating biochemical weapon. 
it hits Butthead's hair and lands gently into his hand, and he saves the day. Well, I'm kind of curious, like, is that a thing? Like, he's just standing there with his hand out. Like, it was, like, I was kind of, like, I don't remember that being a character trait, and I don't remember anything in the movie. Just just they just uh, yeah. popped it right in there. <laughs> oh. Um, yeah, dumb. <laughs> but I did like that it hit his hair. Um, but, yes, and so, of course, Anderson is to blame, and Robert Stack, <laughs> what kind of sick person uses teenagers in his twisted plot. Um, but Beavis and Butthead saved the day, and then they're uh, honored by Bill Clinton. Wouldn't you know it? And then they uh, end up back, just to wrap up the, the movie, Clay, they they end up back home, and they see the TV that was on the side of the road and by the motel, and they're reunited and walk off into the sunset. So what I, what did I miss there that you liked? Um, well, there's kind of, I, I, I kind of, this is it's sort of a broken record debate with Anderson. Like, it's... You know, if it wasn't so much fun to watch him get just traumatized, you'd watch this and be like, my God, he, he didn't deserve any of this. Because his whole time, because he keeps talking, that's another thing he kind of says throughout the movie. He's like, now, Marcy, we've been saving for this trip our whole life. And like he gets like to the White House, and they kick him out. He gets to Hoover Dam, and they kick him out. And he basically ends the movie in prison for... He didn't do anything. <laughs> um, but, again, it's just so damn funny. Um Oh, Dallas sold yes. out Muddy. That 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 plot line yes. kind of petered out a little bit, but um, um, and just well, I I do like, and I I I didn't read any of the negative reviews, but I there were some, even though I don't think the movie's perfect, uh, and we'll get into kind of like the critical reaction later. I just instantly assume that um, everybody who like really hated it was just a stuffy twat who would have, like, got to the end and pointed out, like, well, the whole journey was just completely pointless. That's the And point. that's, yes, <laughs> of course it was. Yes, it was completely pointless. That's the point. They didn't even know who Bill Clinton was. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, that's kind of where we are. Um, and uh, we'll... Uh, well, we'll just kind of get. This was my last thing, but we'll move it forward, Adam. Uh, just uh, even well, through everything, uh, would oh, you recommend it? I think, I think, especially for like you said, for people that in, that don't know the characters or never seen it before, you can, and maybe you know, like they won't watch it because there's a lot to watch anymore. But this is a good overarching mm-hmm. thing that somebody could say, "Yeah, I liked that." It's a great introduction for casual fans where they could watch the whole thing and really just get a good feel of the characters and a lot of what they go through on the, on the television series as well. So you can glean a lot from this uh, for, for what Beavis and Butthead is. So, it, yeah, it's it's a it's for an adaptation uh, for a, a short cartoon going to movie form. Pretty good. Yeah, and I guess this kind of seems odd considering I, my, my, my inclination is to say, yes, but watch the TV show, like watch the TV show first. And I think that is good, but if you'll remember back to the beginning of the podcast, um, <laughs> yeah. that's not how I, I, I kind of got it. But just, yeah, if you can come across that half hour sequence there, then yeah. But I, I, I do think, yeah, it's flawed. It runs out of steam, but it's still, 
Like, you know, it, it, it's a solid adaptation that I think most fans will like. Speaking of which, Adam, you already referenced this at the beginning, but upon its release, Beavis and Butthead New America did debut at number one at the box office with $20.1 million, which at the time, yes, as you said, was the largest December opening in movie history. Uh, currently, it sits at number 66, <laughs> which I think through like a, a combination of inflation and kind of, you know, I think an adjustment of how movies are released at Christmas, it currently sits uh, a mere $227.8 million behind the current number one holder, which is, if you can guess... Uh, Terminator 2. It's a very... No, a very average movie, Star okay, Wars The Force Awakens. super average. But um, overall, uh, grossed $63.1 million against a $12 million budget. Um it's opening week. Uh, it came in ahead of a uh, very celebrated film, Jerry Maguire, which was in its second week. Uh, number three was 101 Dalmatians, which I don't remember. There's been like 100 different ones, but that was out in its fourth week. And it grossed nearly $14 million more than another movie opening that weekend, a movie that has since become a classic of its genre. Adam, can you name the film? Scream 1. Correct. I feel like I yeah, didn't. Well, I knew Scream yeah, Two yeah, came out a little bit. Exact. Yeah, I, as soon as you said that, I was like, oh, I don't know if Adam's going to know. I think this might give away the trivia question. But uh, yes, it was. It, it came ahead of uh, of the film Scream. Um, but in addition to that, um, the movie did pretty well critically. Uh, currently, it holds a seventy two percent seventy two percent out of fifty three reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. There are a couple of stiff pickles who I won't name, but gave the movie zero stars. But it got a lot of positive buzz, uh, particularly from famed critics Siskel and Ebert, who uh, uh, both gave it thumbs up. Uh, Gene Siskel even said he'd never watched the show, but he liked it. And um, uh, I want to play a clip from uh, the Siskel and Ebert hit because uh, Roger Ebert kind of uh, hits on something that uh, we talked about on the show before, too. And it was really nice to uh, you know to hear this from... Uh, uh, the maybe the most prestigious critic of all time. Uh, I think, you know, there's a general impression that in a way, the movie and the TV series celebrate Beavis and Butthead, and I don't really think they do. I think they're a satire of this kind of couch potato, uh, disaffected attitude, and that Beavis and Butthead are not really presented in all that positive a light, and I, I kind of enjoyed the satire aimed against them and against stupidity well, in general. Well, I mean, you know, the world that they, you know, moral authority coming down is held in even lower regard than Beavis and Butthead. <laughs> I guess that Mike Judge, the, the creator of yeah. the show, uh, has maybe a low opinion of just about everything, but it's done very, very well. Yeah, I, I really enjoy that, and, you know, I, I know there's some criticism you can, especially, like, horror fans I know have a problem with Siskel and Ebert, which I kind of get, I know, like, they got a few, like, like you know, Roger Ebert's review of The Thing is pretty embarrassing, but I think in their element, like, uh, I, I, they could, they could hit on something, and I really like that they both like the movie, and I like that Ebert hit on some points that you and I have talked about on this show a few times. So, uh, basically, we're as smart as Roger Ebert. I was just about to say that. Last thing I have, Clay, is that, uh, thanks to Amazon, Paramount executives considered making this a live-action movie. Oh, I think I that could have been an absolute disaster. That would have... I'm thinking of... Um, I know there's a clip you can find on YouTube, but I remember the show Step by Step, 
introduced two characters that were supposed to be Beavis and Butthead. Oh, the, yes. Yeah, oh, right. dear Lord. And I love Step by Step, <laughs> but that that didn't work. But um, yes, I'm quite glad, because I know Mike Judge fought for that like adamantly, because that's yeah, that would have been a terrible idea. But um, yeah, as we learned recently, Adam, there will be a Beavis and Butthead sequel sometime. Um, I don't know when. But it will be released on Paramount Plus, a streaming service that I don't have yet, that I'll probably get when the movie comes out. But, uh, you know, they did thrive in their previous era, but one has to wonder, will the antics of the technologically impaired duo have the same effect in this new world where hashtags have replaced hash browns as part of a balanced breakfast? Only time will tell wrote that line two years ago. I've been waiting for the moment to put it in. Boom! Got it! Perfect! What a way to close our second season. Great job, Clay. Thank I'll you. have your moment. Well, thank you. Well, it's, uh... Well, I mean, I guess we kind of should wrap up, but at the same time, uh... You know, it's the end of the season. It was, a, a, I think, a pretty good season for us. I liked our shows. I like that our listenership has gone up. I... I mean, when the next movie comes out, we probably have to talk about it. I did. This, this is a weird one. It somehow took forever, and yet it still feels rushed. Because I know anybody <laughs> who listens on the first day is going to know that this came out late. Because, uh, well, we got lives. and uh, Which is weird. Normally, that would only be true of you, Adam. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Since we started the show, I went and got myself a life, I guess. But um, Well, and, you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't say, Clay, happy Happy birthday here. It's still your birthday where it is, so uh, thanks for spending it with me. But yeah, that's, uh, yep, I'm 62 years young. But um, (laughs) uh, as always, uh, well, I guess we should say um, the show, I mean, we're definitely coming back. In fact, we've got all our episode ideas lined up for season three. When it's kind of up in the air, I know. Work is always hectic for Adam. I've got about six weeks of hell coming up uh, work-wise, and then I got some uh, some personal stuff, good stuff, but uh, some stuff that's going to require some attention. So if I had to guess, I'd say we'd probably be back in the fall. Um, that's kind of what I'm shooting for, but uh, we love doing it, but damn it if we don't need a break. Yeah, man. Uh, much earned, so uh, yeah, but... Uh, I think how lo- how much longer could I drag this episode out? I don't know. But thanks for yeah. seriously, thanks for listening and the listenership, and uh, we hope you're entertained. But uh, yeah, and even even though we'll be away, you can still contact us through the majesty of the internet. You can email us buffcoatandbeaverpod at gmail dot com. Uh, we're on Facebook at buffcoatandbeaverpod, and we're on Twitter at butthole and Joe. But uh, well, again, yes, thank you. Everybody who's listened, and um, that's going to be all for season two, but we will see you again for season.